Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. I can only say hello in Anglic. Only in Anglic. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, we are discussing a novel of the Traveler universe, Agent of the Imperium, by Mark Miller. The Mark Miller. The Mark Miller, creator of Traveler, Traveler, and more Traveler. Among other things, but yeah, Traveler's like his, yeah, the thing he's known for. Right, right. It's like, the Traveler is, is his Sergeant Peppers. Okay, um, maybe. Or his White Album. Alright, I'll, I'll say his White Album. I'll give you that. If Traveler is Mark Miller's White Album, this novel is Revolution Number 9. <laughs> Give us a little background on the book there itself, Steve. All right, so this book, Agent of the Imperium, was part of the uh, Kickstarter. Um, I want to say for Traveler Five, but it's possible it might have been kickstarted on its own. Either way, it is officially part of uh, Traveler uh, canon. It's part of the lore. Yes, it is. It basically takes a huge chunk of history of the setting that none of the games are set in. Right. And gives you uh, a what happened uh, through the perspective of the one entity that made it happen. Right. And of course, we are talking about the main character, Jonathan Bland. <laughs> Why? Why did you name him Jonathan Bland? I mean, they do say that he changed his name to, to Anglic size it. Right. So Anglic is, is the uh, in-universe version of English. Right. Terran in good old Terran English. Yes, it's Anglic. So there you go. <laughs> Right. Now, this is what you will. Yeah, this book also includes as a major plot device a bit of tech. Just in case you haven't been for some reason following the APs, we've been playing LBB slash Cepheus Engine Traveler for the last year or so, give or take. And the, the primary technology that facilitates the storytelling in this book doesn't appear to exist. Whether it's lost or was devised for later editions, I, so it, it, I don't know. It shows, up in, it shows up in later editions, the wafer jack. Um, Which adds kind of an element of like altered carbon. Yeah, it's definitely got a little, it's got a little bit of that, but it's, a lot more limited, I guess, than altered carbon. And I think um, I like how it works. Just to back up for a second, a wafer jack is basically a personality input that um, some people have at the nape of their necks. And it's, it's basically you can, um, like a USB port, mm-hmm. Uh, stick some stick a uh, learning 
uh, program in there so you could like know how to repair a jump drive. Right. Um, you can uh, stick something in there so you become a master statistician. Strategist? Ah, Strategist. Strat, thank you. Uh, my anglet is a little rusty. <laughs> um, that was the that was the W pronunciation. Strategist. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I guess it's time to go invade Afghanistan. I'm a strategiologist. <laughs> I'm giving that word so, to Wes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um. So Jonathan Bland is basically a wafer check. Mm-hmm. He is a personality uh, that has been transferred onto this like little USB port. And uh, it gets inserted into people in emergency situations. And his personality takes over whomever he um, it's in, is inserted into. Wow, that sounds gross. Right. It lasts for a month, 28 days, basically. And then uh, the original personality reasserts itself. Mm-hmm. With and, no memory of what transpired. Right. And it is basically like, a, it's kind of like firmware where when these jacks um, come into, when, when the jack storage units come into proximity with each other, they update mm-hmm. uh, with the memories of what that jack did. So there's a bunch of these flying around. Um, the Imperium. Yeah, I think every command ship, I believe, is uh, provided with a full complement of, I think, five of each personality or something like that. Right. There, there's five different personalities. And there's five wafers with each personality. Right. So, it's having them update like that, having it be like firmware, um, makes it so there's some sort of narrative continuity. Right, right. Because because, because it, it gets a little it gets a little wonky at times since there's several different versions of Bland existing seemingly simultaneously. Yes. And sometimes the Blands know what happened with other Blands, sometimes they don't. Right. Right. Now the reason these uh these these wafers exist and these personalities have been transferred is that these agents of the Imperium are, as you said, they, they're pulled out in dire emergencies. They are problem solvers. They have the authority of the Emperor, whoever it happens to be. They have the authority of the office when they are activated, and it is their responsibility to uh, make the calls that uh, people may not want to make. Right. Your fleet commanders, your things like this. Our yeah. Mr. Jeremy Bland is what's called a decider. Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan Bland, sorry. Jeremy Bland is his brother. Um, we don't hear about him at all in the book. <laughs> He's in the sequel. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, right. Bland Bland is what's called a decider. And he Speaking is activated, w. right? He is activated in order to uh, take a tactical assessment and make a decision. That's and, why I pronounce it that way, right? Because, 
All right. He's a decider. I could be a decider too. He's he's kind of a he's kind of an analyst in, in to to put it into like real world terms. Well, uh, right in life, he was a bureaucrat. Right. He was a paper pusher mm-hmm. uh, with the quarantine uh, bureau. Right. And basically, what happened was uh, they shut down the quarantine bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it was budget budget crunches, right? It was a budget crunch. They shut down the quarantine bureau and folded it into the Navy. Right. And the way they did that was they created these wafer jacks from the quarantine bureau so that when the Navy got in trouble with something that was beyond the scope of the, of the Navy, really, uh, parasites on planets, weird technology shit, stuff like that. Um, when the threat level reached a certain point, they basically the computer said, wait for time. Right, right. Uh, in, in other types of terminology, they're like the equivalent of uh, sword, I guess you could say, from Marvel Comics or uh, the DEO from DC. Except uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but much lamer. um yeah bland is is he's 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 a strategist he's a number cruncher he's a paper pusher he basically uh as as you were mentioning when you first started reading this uh he he does the trolley car problem repeatedly yeah he is what is it thomas Paine? is that the big utilitarian guy um, his motto is the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever course of action, no matter who gets affected, he is going to decide to go for the course of action that will um, give the outcome of the greater good. Right. Right. For the and and the greater good for the Imperium. Right. Not the necessarily greater good for those guys involved. But the Imperium as a whole, uh, whether and a lot of times it's, uh, you know, main, make sure trade routes are maintained, make sure naval power is maintained, make, make making sure, sure the border diseases don't don't come off planet. Right. Because we don't whole sectors. We don't want them in our factorios. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If if um, during the recent unrest. <laughs> With the COVID, if uh, they had called upon Jonathan Bland, he would have just scrubbed this planet. Right, right. And for those of you who might be more familiar with Warhammer, it's basically Exterminatus. They just wipe out everything. Turn turn whatever planet it happens to be into a lifeless rock. Which is... In very much the same way. Well, that's your introduction to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that happens after all the preliminary, Jesus Christ, I think I'm having a stroke, preliminary shit um, of explaining how the Traveler universe works, what all the numbers mean when you look at a planet, because it's written by Mark Miller. He's guns to use the terminology. Right, right. 
And he does. So you have UPPs for the planets, and you like have to flip back and say, what the fuck does this mean for a while until finally you're like, like really, I don't give a shit. Right. Right. Um, which we'll get into that. But really, the first thing you, you find out about Jonathan Bland is he is completely willing to sacrifice an entire planet. Mm-hmm. Um, just really as a first choice. Right. What do we got? Good morning. I am John. I am Jonathan Bland. I am in charge. I speak with the Imperium. Anybody else want to? Anybody want to challenge that? I do. Bang. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> right. And the the first thing he does is uh, he rains hot death upon the planet. Yep. Uh, because they had a parasite problem. Mm-hmm. They got parasites. Wipe it out. Hot death. The yeah, they uh, sh- accelerated asteroids toward yep, the planet. Yep. They even they even streamlined them, <laughs> right? So that they would travel better through the atmosphere. Right. It, it's like yeah, it's not one of those like spur of the moment things where every imperial ship is like equipped with this stuff. He's like, nope. You guys head over to the asteroid field, build mass drivers. Yes. <laughs> And and construct projectiles for those mass drivers out of the which which kind of brings me to my first criticism of this book. It's 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 a role playing book, right? Not that it's a game, but it is set in a in a well known well in certain circles a well known established universe. It uses terminology. And um, almost the mechanics of right. of Traveler. I mean, it uses UPPs, which is the Universal Planetary Profile. Mm-hmm. So at a glance, you can tell what sort of planet it is, if you know what it is, what the key is. And it's listed. It, it, this would be the most boring Traveler adventure of all time. Yep. Because... You're not doing anything. You're telling people to go build a, a mass accelerator to rain asteroids on the planet. There's there's nothing to do, right? If you're a character, so it, it's not really very high adventurous. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's more. Uh, how, what's the best way to impart this this uh, history lesson? Yeah. It, it, basically, bland is is a way to talk about the history and certain events. Um, if you were the person who had to build the mass drivers within, you know, nine days or whatever it was, you know, that would be the thing. If you were the team on the ground investigating this parasite um, and having to make the decision to wake up bland then that would be an adventure. But really, Bland is kind of the the, the guy afterwards who's just kind of narrow. The, he's the, like the GM character. Right. After you failed all your roles. Right. Bland comes in to mop up the mess. Right. And that's what it, it turns into. So that kind of disappointed me. It was interesting in terms of the history of the Imperium. 
Um, I just, and it was definitely a better way to navigate these events as opposed to just having a history of the Imperium. Right. Because right. I've, I've read that as well. And that gets a little, a little dry. Right. Well, so you know, all history is dry. It's really hard to write history in an engaging way. Yes. You, it's hard to have wet history, but <laughs> there are, there are people who write historical fiction mm-hmm. who use, have historical events as backdrop to a smaller story that they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, such as, and I'm going to bring this up because I always bring it up, Robert E. Howard. <laughs> Robert E. Howard wrote some fantastic historical fiction, and it was fiction from um, beginning to end, mm-hmm. right? But um, it, but there's a backdrop of, of historical events, right. political intrigue that existed, right? Mm-hmm. And and that makes it interesting, and and these events can resolve itself. The the, the big thing is you have um, how he deals with the wave. He introduces a couple of things that I think that are going to happen um, in Traveler Five mm-hmm. as um, as part of that setting, right? Kind of the, the takes, living part of the campaign r- setting, right? Um, I think the, 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 this wave is going to be one of them. The black ships are going to be another one, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a third, and I can't remember what it is. But those, to me, the events surrounding that were probably the more most interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the story with the black ships, just trying to remain as spoiler-free as possible, but... Um, he takes this really cool RPG traveler-like puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a traveler-like puzzle of jumping because you can only jump X amount of parsecs, right? right? And you have to try and get across X, X times three parsecs or whatever, right? Right. So he comes up with a really cool solution that is worthy of any old uh, D&D campaign or traveler campaign or whatever to do it. And then the complication is you have these mysterious black ships that are undetectable and have um, superior weapons hiding out in this more or less void. And that, to me, was like probably the most role play uh, part of the whole thing. Right, right. I mean, that really could have been a novel on its own. Almost every vignette that happens in, in this book could have been a decent novel or novella on its own. Right. Um, and if you had fleshed it out with more detail, you could have had some really interesting stuff. For example, what we were just describing uh, as the scrubbing of this planet, um, you could have had like a good 200 page book um, with like the, the original team coming in and trying to figure it out, you know, how to stop this disease and, you know. Yeah, I think you called it Michael Crichton's Traveler. Yes, <laughs> because it you did. Can... the 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 part of that particular vignette that's not told is very Andromeda strain, right? And it could have been really, really cool, but it wasn't. And like that's the the problem with the whole book for me is I kept on saying this could have been really, really cool, mm-hmm. 
but it wasn't. Right. Because you get the, it's like you said, it's the end game of every situation, but all the drama, all the action, everything happens before characters, uh, b- before Blank gets woken up. Mm-hmm. And he gets um, woken up in time to just basically mop up the mess and make the call that everybody knows needs to be done, but uh, nobody wants to do. Right. Now, the, the other thing that, that could have made this, um, I guess, more interesting would be if you had it the way it is, but there was some sort of overarching storyline. Mm-hmm. And I think he tried to do that. But he tried it with too many overarching storylines. Right, right. Uh, Bland was involved with too many events. Um, you know, we had Bland basically overthrew the fucking government at one point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and so that's a perfectly good example of how that was one of the more interesting parts of the book. Right, and it's closest and that, thing and, to a consistent and consecutive narrative. In right, the book and as well. it is a it is a canon event in Traveler. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you open up Traveler Five, and there's like a little short history of the Imperium on there, and then uh, that is part of it. Right, that happens before um, any of the of the games uh, time periods exist. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And you could have had a really cool book that um, set up like a CW show or something, right? Where you have an overarching plot and then uh, individual episodes Mm -hmm. that kind of all fit together to further this overarching season-long plot. I think he tried to do that, but I think he had too many fires, uh, too many pans in the fire. Right. Right. Because there was another thread... That really could have been taken out of the entire book and you would have lost nothing. And there was a lot of words spent on this secondary thread. Uh, the the young lady who's actually playing Traveler. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a character in there who's basically a, um, a PC. Mm-hmm. And in she has a adventure. story. She has a story arc and she has a, an adventure with Another bit of kind of the technology, because, I, fuck it, I'm going to spoil it. Her husband is dying of some type of brain disorder, and Bland's personality somehow reawakens in him on his deathbed. Right, so it's implied that he has Alzheimer's. Right. And that, uh, because that basically eats away your personality... Mm-hmm. That his personality became so weak at one point that bland was that the bland personality was able to reassert itself. Right, right, and he basically kidnaps this lady and turns her into a player character in a traveler game. Right. <laughs> and, I love the but, fact that but she, she lives she, on like Badger Five or whatever. Right, and she's a professor of English literature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then somehow she's able to change character classes. You know? It's like uh, okay, okay. I, I don't know how Traveler Five works, but uh, you know, do I, you? Start I would like, like to see. I would like to see a comprehensive experience system um, in place. <laughs> the way that uh, she her her 
her arc was able to improve. I would like to see how that works. Yeah. I haven't gotten that far in Traveler 5, so maybe there is a, a thing in there. Maybe so. However, it, this this particular story arc stands out because it is one of the few times where the perspective actually changes from Bland's perspective to another character altogether. And like I said, you could actually physically remove this section of the book and it would not change the narrative flow of everything else. Because it right. is, it does seem kind of like an outlier. Just like Bland's Adventures in the Archive, you know, it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. Well, now those, I think all those things are there to set up um, plots and stuff for the game mm-hmm. for later. I mean, the, the black ships, the wave, all that stuff. That's why that's in there. It's, mm-hmm. it's to kind of like give a background for stuff he has planned for the game itself. So that, that's the only so, thing I can So think. basically basically this this novel is kind of Miller's master world bible, a section of his master world bible maybe. I think it does two things. I think it fills in some of the gaps um, of the history of the Imperium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it also sets up some major crises that are going to happen during the T5 time period. Okay. So I, I think that's exactly what it is. Um, and it was interesting to me to, to see like the inner workings of how the Imperium works, how, how different worlds are factored in, you know, because we, we make cracks all the time and we make references of course, to earth culture while we're playing. Um, but really, in LBB, Terra is not really all that known. Well, or is that just the way you're playing it? Oh, no, no. Well, technically, in LBB, the there's no Imperium, right? In in its purest form, the original Traveler, the original three books, were there um, to facilitate any science fiction setting. Mm. Obviously, it has it had a really big um, influence by, of like that um, military side, military like Star service. Trek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heinlein, things right. like that, uh, which was really popular. So, mm-hmm. but um, once the Traveler book came out and he st- and they started putting out adventures, the Imperium kind of grew out of that, and. Um, see, I can't really get into how uh, Terra is involved with all of this because it's kind of spoilerish, right? For the game we're playing, right? Um, but what I did was I took like more or less the structure of the Imperium mm-hmm. uh, and the names of places and their their um, UPPs. And then I just said whatever, <laughs> whatever I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So which is which is the ideal way to run it? Because yeah, we're I mean, why reinvent about the wheel? Thousands and thousands and thousands of years, you know, of of history here. It's almost it's almost kind of like a 
as far as lore goes, there's as much time covered in the history of Traveler to get to wherever you're playing at as there is in something like Warhammer or Dungeons and Dragons. It's one of those types of settings that's millennia ago when man first reached for the stars. It totally is. If you look at the, hold on. If you look at the, uh, the history of travel, I think I sent you the, um, I think I sent you the uh, picture of the timeline, right? Yeah. yeah. If you look at the timeline, the timeline goes from, uh, the, Early Imperium, right, mm. is zero. Right. Um, and the, the 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 time period of the novel takes place um, maybe 600 years to 800 years after the founding of the Third Imperium, right? Mm. Right. We haven't even gotten into, like, Traveler yet. <laughs> so Traveler... LBB Traveler takes place a thousand years after the founding of the Third Imperium, which is the Third Imperium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the uh, current iteration of Traveler, not Mongoose, but um, T5, takes place uh, almost 2,000 years after the founding of the Third Imperium. So, yeah, there's, like, a lot of history, including, like, a fall, like, a Dark Ages. They mm-hmm. call it the Long Night. There's, like, a Dark Ages, which lasts about a thousand years, where planets were basically shit out of luck and on their own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's pretty deep. Um, not Glorantha deep, but it's pretty deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seemed, it seemed to me while I was reading it, because, you know, I've just been, like, screwing around with like 40k and stuff like that there is a lot of parallels between the two just in terms of like flavor not not necessarily exact things but 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 a little bit of the flavor the aging universe that went through a a dark age and in the world trying to base the universe trying to rebuild itself the galaxy uh yeah i think it there's like parallels to the fall of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. uh, where you know you had this huge, almost well, world quote unquote spanning empire that uh, falls and and leaves all these different dependent cultures mm-hmm. um, high and dry, right for a while, um, left on their own, and then you know, bam, a thousand years later or whatever, there's a uh, a, a renaissance if you will right right you're just sitting there you know you're uh hunting your one kilogram herbivore one day and then a bunch <laughs> of ships just show up in the sky hello we are the empire actually they they had a really cool way of explaining how that happened i thought with the uh they had the the, the uh, reactionless engine or whatever mm the unlimited power source, the Rube Goldberg power supply thing. Mm-hmm. The, the that they, uh, perpetual energy machine. Yeah, where they, that they rigged so that only they could, uh, that they could shut it down whenever they wanted to. Right. Got everybody hooked on, like, the cheap energy. Uh, everybody's prosperous because now you could, quote, manufacture um, near the source of your, your um, 
resources as opposed to right right there with yeah the yeah they, they they came in and they said okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna hook you up with these like free energy machines and these fucking uh widget makers and uh all you got to do is you just take tab a put it in slot b boom you can make whatever the fuck you need right uh, all you need to do is pledge your undying fealty right to cleon the first right Pledge your undying fealty to the emperor, and you can you can make gold out of garbage. Yep, and sell us thirty percent of it. And that's that's how, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's got like that, um, you know, you know uh, what is it like the seventeenth century age of sale kind of flavor to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it does definitely. It definitely has that. Um, I think I remarked that uh, it has similarities, particularly when he added in like the aspects of how government worked and things like that. How how it like was kind of like imper- what I've read of Imperial China at some points, right. um, and of right, course, especially with the communication issues, right, right, where everything was like everything's so spread out and mail only travels at the speed of jump. There is no like. There are no ansibles, right, to uh, facilitate some type of faster than light communication. So I, it's just like I, I you really, know, I really think that's what makes traveler traveler. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. that that Is, communications. Yeah, because um, if you you know, not that it's a, a bad rule set or anything. I no. I think the two D six system is really pretty top notch. Um. But that flavor of, you know, um, your inf- the information about your comings and goings, your party's nefarious actions, doesn't quite follow you as quickly as it would if there was instant communication. Right. So right. you can't get a cross parsec APB out quickly. That's right. You can't outrun the radio, but you can outrun the X boat. Yes. <laughs> so so as long as you I, stay I, I, as long as you stay ahead of the expo or or any other vessel that might be sending those communications along by the time it gets to wherever you are you're gone right and you're you're on the next planet doing something and that well, that and- is inter- that is interesting how, how that works and it does have that kind of age of sale uh, piracy sort of thing is like, oh, you know, these guys are wanted here. You know, well, they were here like three months ago. Right. You know, which way did they go? Uh, the wind was blowing that way. <laughs> right. It, and it also allows you to have more of a um, of a variety in the types of planets that you can visit mm-hmm. because you know, culture also travels slowly right um and if culture travels slowly the indigenous uh culture is going to be a lot harder to to displace mm-hmm. so i right. think i think you get like cool different planets that why that's why uh regina could have a different feel than Rech, right instead of it all be just like imperial right a baseline imperial culture right but I'm sure that, you know, there are probably some planets near land 
or something like that. You know, when you have like a capital world in worlds nearby that are yeah. also populated, you have you have kind of like monocultures arriving in right. certain, in certain subsectors. Yeah, and I think it would be more of maybe not like a monoculture, but more of like a shockwave where you would have an epicenter of a culture, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it spreads out. And as it spreads out, it gets weaker. Right. And its influence gets weaker. So if, uh, a planet one jump away would be a lot more influenced than that three jump planet, which still gets like a, some influence from it, but they're going to have a little bit more of their own identity. Right, right. Kind of, kind of like um, you know the differences between Maryland and Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking like uh, China or, and Korea. But yeah, or or United <laughs> States and Great Britain, or something like that. Right. Where you have basically a similar culture, but there are significant differences between the two. So now that we've started to ramble about the game rather than the novel. The, uh, see, the thing is, the game's more interesting than now. Right, exactly. I was going to say if you're <laughs> if you're looking for for like uh, a, some tasty lore in the Traveler universe, I, I would say stick to the rule book, stick to the modules. Uh, if you're looking for a great science fiction novel um, set in the Traveler universe, keep looking. Yeah, and there's there's other ones. This is just the one that was written by Mark Miller. Um, I think it's a nice curiosity, and I think if you were to have a game designer write fiction, this is what you get. Right. Um, And it doesn't, it it kind of is too much of a compromise to be effective as either. There's some really, really good ideas. Um, some really interesting things that would make good scenarios, but it it just doesn't come together very well. Right, right. But it is his. Pardon me. It is his first novel. So, yep. Uh, so, Mark, if you happen to listen to this, uh, you, keep trying, keep trying. Right. Let let us give you advice. Right. Well, no. It's now. Good. We've, we've been doing this shit for years. I think we know what we're talking about when, we, when we're when we talking about a good or bad now, here, book. No, and here's the thing that um, I don't know how much of this is uh, social media mm-hmm. uh, where, God forbid, you say something negative on social media. <laughs> but uh, it seems like a lot of people really like it. Really? Yes. But like I said... God forbid you say something negative on social media, right? Right. God forbid you express that you don't like something. It's the end of the fucking universe. <coughs> Auto duel tales. <coughs> no, I was thinking of um, of uh, that thing on HBO that got everybody's panties in a twist. Game of Thrones. Or- oh, what? Because somebody <laughs> wrote a script that they didn't like. No, because do you remember? Oh yeah, you're not allowed. There was to, that, just let like people period, like it. Yeah, there was that period where the last season of Game of Thrones came out, and everybody was like, "Here come the I don't even like Game of Thrones memes." 
Well, where everybody yeah, because... watched Game of Thrones, like, and then if you happen to actually not care about Game of Thrones or not like it or not watch it or whatever, you are effectively told to go fuck yourself and let people like what they like. Right. Of course, the converse of that need not apply. And the best part about it was apparently, and I haven't watched it, the ending sucked. And every one of those people complained about it. Mm -hmm. Which is, to me, the most brilliant thing in the world. So there you have it. (laughs) (laughs) To, To quote the bard, I ain't never been right. I may not often right, but I've never been wrong. There you go. That'd be Robert Hunter. Anyway, keep thirty luck points. <laughs> we'll have we'll have a link to purchase the book. In yep, the notes. yep. That way you can check it out for yourself if you agree with us or disagree with us. Hell, you can let us know if you want. Um, yeah, if you if you are one of those people who read this book and liked it and um, think we're like so full of shit that we shouldn't even be allowed to talk on a podcast, let us know. Yeah. You will be immortalized on air. Yeah, not only that, but like unlike... And roasted like a Christmas goose. <laughs> yeah, you probably will be, but unlike um, the rest of Facebook or whatever, um, you are allowed to complain about this. Yeah. Alright, so say it again. Keep 30 lucky. And we'll see you next time. Peace and anger.